to take a seat if you're in the building, get comfortable on the sofa if you're watching online. Um, massive thank you to the band for leading us in that time of worship. Um, well, hello, um, good morning. As Tom and Annabelle said, um, my name is Abby. Um, it is, yeah, my last official day on the staff team here. Um, I will still be around next Sunday to kind of um, see people and to say bye, but um, yeah, last day on the team. And so a real joy, a real privilege to have um, the opportunity to share a bit from the Bible with you this morning. I um, joined SCC eight years ago now when I moved to Sheffield as a student um, and it has been yeah, such a privilege, um, such an opportunity to be on the staff team for the last three and a half of those years. And um, yeah, as Tom kind of mentioned, I am moving to Ecuador soon um, with a mission organisation called Latin Link. And it's a move that has kind of really been building up over the last few years. Um, I spent a year in Ecuador as part of my Spanish degree. Um, and just since the end of that year, I've just kind of sensed that something that God's kind of been laying on my heart and calling me to longer term. And so to start off with, I'll be moving to a city called Santo Domingo, um, and I'll be kind of working with a local church right in the centre of the city. And they are involved in kind of lots of different projects, um, particularly reaching out to more sort of marginalised groups in the city. Um, they work with Venezuelan refugees coming through. Um, they've got a kind of school for children with learning disabilities, a project for vulnerable women, um, lots of kind of opportunities and potential. And quite what day-to-day -day life will look like, I don't know exactly yet, um, but yeah, going to be taking kind of the first few weeks and months um, just to see what kind of settles um, and what fits right and how I can serve the church well there. Um, but yeah, leaving with a bit of a heavy heart in a sense, um, I've yeah, had an amazing eight years in Sheffield and so grateful for all the input and the encouragement that I've received here um, as part of this church over the years. And um, yeah, just really thankful for kind of the grace of the team for being so willing to um, invest in me and kind of raise me up and even when they've known it's not going to be for the long term here necessarily. And Tom talks a lot about kind of um, us being called to give away. Um, and I've just sort of really sensed that generosity of spirit in how they are sort of releasing me um, and sending me back out and yeah, encouraging me to kind of pursue what God has put on my heart. Um, but yeah, might kind of weave a few more details of Ecuador and what's coming up um, as I kind of um, yeah, continue through this morning. So if you've um, been around over the last few weeks, you'll know that we have started to explore this theme of exiles and ambassadors. Um, we're thinking about how do we live as God's ambassadors, kind of representing who he is, his hope, his love, his freedom, his grace in a culture that can feel um, very different, sometimes uncomfortable, a bit foreign to us. And particularly at the morning gatherings, we're kind of working through the book of Nehemiah um, to help us do that. So just wanted to give a bit of a whistle-stop tour as to where we've got up to so far. So in chapter one of Nehemiah, um, we learn that the Jews um, who had survived the exile, who've survived captivity in Babylon, they are in great trouble and shame, it says. And the walls of Jerusalem, their home, um, are broken, they're in ruins, its gates have been destroyed by fire. And Nehemiah kind of hears this news from his brother, he comes to tell him, and his heart is broken um, for the city, for the people there. He's a descendant of these captive Jews, and um, yeah, he kind of, his heart is really stirred for what they are going through. And in Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1, verse 9, um, he reminds God that God has kind of promised that if his people return to him, if they keep his commandments, that God would gather them back together, that he would bring them to this place that he had chosen, that we know to be Jerusalem. And as Nehemiah kind of spends time in prayer, coming before God, um, kind of pouring out his heart to him about the city of Jerusalem, 
God really starts to stir Nehemiah's heart um, for him to become a part of um, seeing the restoration of the city of Jerusalem happen, um, being a part of what God wants to do there to bring freedom and to rebuild the city again. And um, we see back in Ezra chapters 1 and 2 that King Cyrus has been kind of moved by God to allow the Israelites to start to return to Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. But um, Ezra and Zerubbabel, who we heard about a few weeks ago, um, they've had kind of quite anticlimactic moments, really, in trying to make this happen and to start to rebuild it. And you might kind of be wondering or thinking, actually, what's so significant about Jerusalem as a city anyway? Well, it's where the temple of God was. It was kind of the first and the only city um, where God resided in this permanent holy house. It was the first city where kings worshipped their true creator. It was the heart of the Israelites' promised land that God had called them into. And if we fast forward to the Gospel of Luke, um, we see that Jesus also wept for Jerusalem and for the state that it was in. And then we skip um, kind of all the way to the end of the New Testament in Revelation. And John talks about the kind of reunion of heaven and of earth as the descent of a new Jerusalem, where all of creation would be restored and renewed. And unlike the old city of Jerusalem that was kind of corrupted, it was dishonored by most of its kings. Actually, the new Jerusalem would be ruled by a divine king, by God. And so it's a pretty significant place, um, both for kind of what's gone, in the pa- gone on in the past and as a foretaste of what's to come in the future. And so Nehemiah's heart is kind of breaking for this city, the fact that it's in ruins, and um, he yeah, feels saddened for the people in it. And Nehemiah was cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and he asked um, the king for permission to go to leave, to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the king kind of quite miraculously really um, shows favor and he gives Nehemiah permission to travel to Jerusalem. And so that's where we um, pick up the accounts where we are today. Um, So today we're in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 9 to 20, um, which I will read for us now. I think they'll appear on the screen or feel free to follow along in your own Bibles as well. So this is Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 9 to 20. So I, Nehemiah, went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. By night, I went out through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mounts to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hands of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. 
They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. And so we see here that Nehemiah has arrived in Jerusalem. He um, takes some time to kind of get his bearings. He takes stock of where things are at. And then after assessing the situation, um, he starts to share what God has put on his heart. He shares with the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and he invites people um, to be a part of starting to join in with this work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Because we know that until the walls were up, nothing else could really be done. Um, without walls, Jerusalem had no defense against people coming to attack or to invade, um, and so it couldn't kind of move forward as a city. Physically rebuilding these walls was also about sort of starting to rebuild the nation, the people of Israel. This nation that God has promised to gather back together for the sake of all the other nations that everyone could come to know him. And so I'd love just to think a bit about kind of what we can learn from how Nehemiah starts to go about this, how he responds to this call to the city. And firstly, I'm really struck by how um, Nehemiah chooses the city. We see that his heart stirred by the news from his brother, and um, through kind of them praying to God about it, he chooses Jerusalem, even when he knows that it's in ruins and despair. He knows that Ezra and Zerubbabel's attempts to start to rebuild it haven't worked so far. He knows that he's got a difficult task ahead, that people will start to oppose him. And so I think it would have been so easy to kind of walk away at this point, um, to just sort of choose the comfortable option to stay put where he was in the king's palace. But Nehemiah's journey to saying yes to the city has come out of weeping prayer before God. He's heard the state of Jerusalem. He commits it to God in prayer. And God has kind of started to stir his heart to do something about the situation. As God kind of shares his heart with Nehemiah, he's drawn Nehemiah into his presence. He's taught Nehemiah to start to respond to his will. Tom talked last week um, about Nehemiah's role as cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. And yes, he was a servant, um, but a servant in the king's palace. He had direct access to the king. He was in a position of great responsibility, um, kind of protecting him as he tested the wine before it was given to the king. And yet he chose to leave this position of responsibility because God had given him this new vision to respond to this call to the city. And we start to get a glimpse here of what was going to happen through Jesus hundreds of years later. We see kind of a foreshadowing of how he left the ultimate king's throne room, God's throne room, and surrendered his will, his life, um, to follow God's call to earth, to bring freedom and restoration, to bring humanity back into a relationship with God, to bring new life. And so with both Nehemiah and Jesus, I think it was a choice to choose the city, to choose the people there. And I was thinking back to um, how once I'd been accepted with Latin Link a while ago to serve with them long term. And I kind of decided, like, I felt like it was right to return to Ecuador where I'd been before. And um, I had to kind of make a choice about which city I wanted to start off in, where I was going to be based. 
And there are a couple of different options, um, the first being keto, the capital, possibly kind of logistically better for future roles. Or the second option was to return to the city, um, Santo Domingo, where it had been before. And I was kind of circling this round in my mind, um, pondering on it, asking God to kind of guide me to the right place. But deep down, I wasn't really sure if I wanted to return to Santo Domingo, where I'd been before. Because um, although I kind of met some incredible people there last time, um, the climate is very humid, it's very sticky, um, mostly kind of grey skies. There's a bit of a hairy bus ride down the mountain to get there where you're sort of frantically praying you're not about to dip over the edge. Um, mosquitoes are very much the norm, um, kind of risk of dengue fever, chikungunya. And um, it's kind of a sprawling city, lots of grey concrete um, that's kind of spread out as people have come through. It's quite a kind of major bus routes. People come through and start to settle and then kind of um, the city spread out from there. And the Lonely Planet Guide um, describes it as seedy and uninspiring, with few attractions to encourage you to do anything other than to pass through. <laughs> and then I had the second option, Quito, the capital, um, which on the other hand is a beautiful city. It kind of um, is a long city down in a valley surrounded by mountains and volcanoes, um, although the active volcanoes were on the kind of disadvantageous side of the pro-con list. But you get some sort of stunning views and thinking about um, my family maybe coming to visit. I thought there'll be some nicer places there to show them. Um, the climate's a bit nicer, zero threat from mosquitoes. And so kind of for these reasons and feeling like that might be the place where I wanted to start off, um, I kind of initially went back to Latin Link and said I'd like to be based there and let's kind of find a project or a church that I can get involved with. But actually, after sending that email off to them, um, it just really wasn't kind of sitting right. I didn't have that sense of peace that that was where God wanted me to be. And then a few weeks later, I was on a Zoom call with a couple of people from the Latin Link office and the Ecuador team leader, Katie. And Katie was started to talk about this opportunity um, to work with a local church in Santo Domingo. And as she was sort of um, describing the opportunities and the projects they're involved with, my heart just started to stir. Um, I kind of had that niggling sense that something was happening here as I started to feel for the people that they're reaching out to, as I started to feel compassion for the situations that many people are in there. And I just kind of knew that actually that was the city where I needed to choose to go. And so I had to lay down my fear in that moment of the mosquitoes, of the hairy bus rides down the mountains and surrender those sticky, sweat feeling, sweaty feelings to God. Um, and actually, from that moment, in place of those fears, God really has just given me a real sense of peace and excitement for what's to come. But it was a choice that I kind of had to ask God to help me to make in that moment. I think I made that choice because I think that actually following Jesus, um, what we see of him in the Bible, choosing the city like we see in Nehemiah, isn't about being comfortable. We've got eternity after Jesus returns for things to be perfect, to be a bit nicer. But actually right now, we're called to surrender it all, to follow God. He asks us to take up our cross, to get involved in that work of restoration. And as we do that, we know God to be so, so faithful. We know him to provide. We know that we'll find that fullness of life that he offers. And as much as I would love it if we were all about to move to Ecuador, um, I know that isn't the case. And so what about Sheffield? What about the city that we are in right now? Lots of us here um, will love the city. If you've just recently moved, I'm sure it won't take long um, for you to feel the same. And there's the beautiful Peak District that's so easily accessible. 
There's all the independent coffee shops that you could want or need. But actually, as we think about this, is there a part of the city that feels a bit more difficult, that you don't particularly enjoy going to, that actually you might fear a part of, that you secretly hope God wouldn't really call you to that area one day? Maybe there are particular areas or kind of groups of people that we see others have started to give up on, that you're just starting to get that niggling feeling as we've sort of been talking about the city, that God might want you to reach out there. We see that Nehemiah was called to the city of Jerusalem to rebuild it, to bring freedom, to bring restoration. He chose to say yes, and I think we're called to do the same. But actually, we don't have to kind of conjure up this feeling of being passionate about it on our own. Nehemiah's heart for Jerusalem came out of weeks of coming before God in prayer, of asking God to intervene before he recognized the invitation that God was giving him to be a part of that. And so I'd start by just asking God to stir your heart, ask him to show you what his heart breaks for here in Sheffield. Let's ask him to help us to choose the city, to say yes to it. And then once Nehemiah had kind of chosen the city and said yes, um, what did it look like for him to follow that calling to the city and to start off there? Well, in verses 13 to 15, we see that he did his research. He didn't just kind of arrive in the city and go in firing on all cylinders. Actually, he took three days after arriving, and then he started to look around the city. He inspected the different parts to see the extent of the damage and the ruins, Um, He started to kind of acclimatize and get his bearings before deciding what to do, before announcing it to everyone else there. He looked around the city at night so as not to attract too much attention. He kind of kept his cards close to his chest before promising too much too soon. And I think this is key for us as well as we think about kind of seeking the peace and the prosperity of Sheffield. We need to understand the context that we are stepping into. We need to understand what life looks like for people in um, kind of all across the different parts of this city. And we see this in Jesus as well, in how he kind of prepared under the radar for 30 years before launching into his ministry. And that's not at all to say um, that we shouldn't take action now, that we need to wait 30 years before doing anything. But I think there is something about kind of preparing well, about understanding the context When um, Bishop Pete spoke at the gatherings in Philly, I think back in June, he posed some quite challenging questions, really. He kind of said, do we know who our MPs are? Do we know the names of people in position of authority in the local council? Do we know who the other organizations are that are working to seek the peace and the prosperity of this city? And um, was really struck by um, what Ros was sharing in the video that we watched about Baby Basics and well aware that there are so many people um, in this church family who are already kind of so plugged into different organisations, different workplaces, seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city of Sheffield. And so actually maybe if you know someone who works in the council, um, why don't you ask them what the pressing issues are facing Sheffield at the moment? If you know um, someone who teaches, who works in a school, ask them what it is that young people are facing. Stop and ask someone who's sitting on the street, who's homeless, what life is like for them at the moment. Let's take time to listen to those around us, to read the local news, to keep up with what's going on, to chat to our neighbours, to find out what life is like for them in their contexts. Because to rebuild, to bring freedom, to bring restoration, to be these ambassadors for God, 
we need to understand the context that we're going into as exiles. And so many times in Jesus' ministry, although he was, he is God, he's all-knowing, he stopped and asked people first, what do you want me to do for you? He didn't um, kind of presume, but actually he let people give him the context. He listened well. And we see the same in Nehemiah. He took time to look around the city, to take stock, before he got to the point of kind of inviting other people to join in with him in rebuilding the walls. And maybe you kind of feel God starting to um, stir your heart about a particular area, a particular group of people here in the city, but you don't really know where to start or how to go about that. Or maybe just take time to walk around the area, to pray as you walk around, to ask God to kind of reveal things to you. Start to ask questions to understand the context of the people there and see where God leads you. And then I love verse 17, um, where Nehemiah says, You see the trouble we are in. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. He uses this language of we and us, a kind of sense of we're all in it together. And although Nehemiah hasn't been living in Jerusalem, he's started to identify with the people there. He hasn't just kind of parachuted in and said, You must rebuild, I'll manage from over here. But actually, as he's looked around the city, as he's realized the state that it's in, he's prepared to get stuck in, he's prepared to get involved and to work alongside the people. He kind of has this sense of corporate responsibility for the city. And this makes me think of the Eden team down in Fervale, um, a group of people who have a real passion for the area of Fervale in Sheffield, and so much so that they've chosen to move into the area. They've chosen to join in with the community right there, to be in the midst of local life, to get to know their neighbours. And then it's from that place that they kind of, of being rooted there, of building up those relationships, that they start to reach out to others around them. And again, Jesus did the same. Um, the message version of the start of, book, of the book of John says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So what does it look like for us to get stuck right in, to say we're all in this together? Maybe that's trying to go beyond just kind of the surface level with colleagues, with neighbors, maybe invite them around for dinner, ask the questions, get to know their lives, their contexts, what's going on beneath the surface. Maybe for some people that is thinking about moving to a different area. Um, maybe as it's sign up Sunday today and you've seen outside the lots of different opportunities to get involved in what's going on here in the life of this church. Maybe that's signing up to a team to be a part of um, joining in with what God's doing here as we seek the peace and the prosperity of this city. I'd love to invite the band um, back up just as we kind of finish and take some time to respond. And we finish with verse 20, um, where Nehemiah says, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. And although Nehemiah started to kind of face this opposition already from people around him, he's previously taken the time to pray. He's looked around the city, and so he's confident in the call that God has given him. He isn't phased by what other people are starting to say or think or question. He knows that he can trust God. And he says, we, his servants, will start rebuilding. He recognizes that he's just joining in with what God is already doing, that he is there to serve God in building this, rebuilding this city. He knows that the victory, the glory, is already God's. That actually, the full responsibility doesn't rest on his shoulders. 
He just has to be obedient in stepping into what God is kind of asking him to do. And so similarly, we're not reaching the city of Sheffield on our own. Um, It doesn't have to feel this kind of weight of responsibility, this burden. It's not in our own strength. But actually, we do it because God loves the city. And he calls us to play our part in joining in with seeking its peace and its prosperity. But we can trust that he's already at work here, that he's already building his kingdom. We can trust that he will bring the freedom and the restoration. We just need to be obedient to join in with what he is already doing. And actually, that's such a joy. That's a gift. That's a privilege to be a part of that. And so we're going to take some time um, to worship again, to respond to what God might be saying. And I don't know what's stood out to you, particularly from this passage as we've kind of worked through. But maybe it's that invitation from God to kind of ask you to choose the city again to say yes to the place where he's put you. Maybe you want to ask God to kind of start to stir your heart again, to open your eyes to the context of the things going on around you and to give you that courage to say yes, to join in with what's going on. Maybe God's inviting you to um, trust him again, to surrender to the fact that he is already working and we can trust that it's in his hands. Nehemiah said, the God of heaven will give us success. So what is it that you need to kind of commit to God that you're involved in, the needs that you see around you, um, that you want to trust to God to know that he will bring about the success? Maybe it's that invitation to see yourself as part of God's mission. Maybe you're wondering what part you have to play in seeking the peace and the prosperity of the city, where you can get involved. And maybe you just want to invite God to remind you of that call that he has given you to join him with what he is already doing. And so let me pray for us um, as we respond. And um, maybe you might want to stand as we do that. God, I thank you for the example that we see in Nehemiah of him saying yes to the city, of choosing to go towards Jerusalem, the place that you had called him to. And Lord, where we need to say yes to choosing the city again today, I pray that you would stir our hearts to do that. That you would open our eyes to Um, the people around us to the needs of what's going on and Lord that we would say yes to be a part of rebuilding of bringing your freedom your hope your transformation and Lord where we need to understand better what's going on around us I pray that you would give us ears that are open to listen that you would help us to ask the right questions Lord to understand the context, to understand what's going on here, right on our doorsteps, right in our city. But God, I thank you that it's only by your grace that we get to do this. It's only because you have reached out to the city before us, that you have called us to be a part of it, that we get to join in. And so I pray that you would just kind of release any weight of responsibility, release any heavy burdens that that feels. And that, Lord, that you would just replace that with a real sense of excitement, of joy, 
of just rejoicing in that gift that you have given to be a part of what you are doing. So God, as we respond in worship now, I pray that you would speak to each one of us, that we would hear from you, that we would know what it means for each one of us to play our part in seeking the peace and the prosperity of this city. And God, would it be all for your glory, all for your fame, that people would come to know you, that people would find your freedom and your restoration, I pray.